Welcome back to the Project 24 Blogging Podcast. This is episode 183. So good to have you all here today. It's Nathan and I. Hey. (laughs) And uh, we are excited here in uh, Idaho because we are having a cooler day in the (laughs) 80s today. Finally, it's not triple digits. Yes. Yes. It's been so hot this summer. Yeah. Uh, But it's finally cooling down and fall happens to be one of my favorite seasons. So I'm glad that we're here. Looking forward to that. All right. So let's get to some questions. And then we have a success story from a Project 24 member. And so we'll go into that a little bit later. But let's get to the first one. Um, And they say... Hello, what traffic number or range should you approach companies for potential sponsored posts on your blog? Yeah, this is one that I, it's an interesting question. I'm glad that you asked it. Um, It's not one that I would particularly think about because I wouldn't want sponsored content on my website. Um, But if you are looking to have sponsored content on your website, like what size should your website be? I would say just large enough that you think a company would take you seriously. Um, and again, you know, sponsored content for them is just marketing. And so you're going to want to take into account, you know, is it 10,000 page views across the website? Is it 20? Is it 30? Um, you might also consider like what articles on your website are actually bringing in traffic. It might make a big difference. You know, if you have one post getting 3000 page views on a specific topic, um, that's really, really closely related to what the company does, then maybe they're going to be more interested in doing some sort of sponsored work with you, um, Rather than if you just have a 300, you know, a, a, an article getting 300 page views and it's also closely related. So it just depends on, you know, how much traffic you have, how closely related um, the topic of your website is to the company. Uh, because, again, for them, it's just marketing. And so they're going to want to see eyeballs on the content that they, um, you know, if they're sponsoring some of your content or if you're writing, you know, you know, writing articles for them or them for you, whatever the case is. Um, it's just all marketing. So just make sure you have eyeballs there. I don't think that there's necessarily a right or wrong time to reach out. Um, if that's something you're going to do, I would just say, give it a try. I mean, if you hit 10,000, I probably wouldn't do it before 10,000 page views. Um, at that, you know, anything before 10,000 pages, I would say you should just be working on getting more traffic. Um, but if you've written a good amount of content, you know, your site's steadily growing month over month, you hit 10,000 page views, you're wanting to look into sponsored um, content, then yeah, uh, go for it and give it a try. If you don't get any bites, maybe wait till 20 or 30 or whatever. Um, and you might find, you know, you're more likely to find success as you get more and more traffic. Um, I would say, you know, with you reaching out, um, you probably are going to do a pretty good job of vetting what's a good deal and what's not. Um, but make sure that um, you're actually getting what your content's worth. And so good luck. Good luck with that. Yeah, absolutely. Making sure that you're getting the traffic and then also um, just kind of highlighting what kind of traffic you're getting to that potential sponsor. Mm -hmm. Is it the type of audience that they want um, seeing their product or whatever it is? Is it their their target audience? Mm -hmm. Yep. Awesome. Okay, next question is from Stefla, and they say, hello, does the course touch on creating how-to, best practices, a gift guide for a blog? I can't find anything on the topic. Thank you. Yeah, so this is actually really exciting. I'm glad you threw this question in, Anna. Um, We're coming up on the holidays. Um, You know, it's not really, really close yet, but in the the blogging world, it's good if you're going to be writing uh, holiday-related content, you need it to be able to rank. So um, anyway, yes, we do have content on these sort of topics, the how-to, the best practices, gift guides. Um, I would say that 
you're most likely to find helpful content on these topics in the staple post section of the blogging system. Um, the Really, that's lesson 54 through 59-ish. Uh, we talk about different styles of staple posts. And while we don't have one, you know, specifically called gift guides, um, you know, there's different ones, the review staple post, the roundup staple post, the list staple post. All of those are probably going to be the type of post, the structure you're going to want to use. Um, and then for best practices around that, like I said, you know, writing them quite a few months ahead of time. I mean, if your website's even really, really brand new, of course, the, you know, buyer intent type posts are going to be very high um, traffic, but also high competition. So, um, you know, if you don't have a ton of traffic yet, or your blog is just getting started, you may have even missed the boat for mm -hmm. this year, which is okay. Yeah. Get some of that content out. Um, and then for those of you who have a little bit more of an established site, now it's a great time to write some of that content. So, um, structure, um, you know, look at the staple post structures, find which one works best for the type of post that you're wanting to write. Um, but these are really, really valuable. And I would just say anything that you can do with original research is going to make these posts 10 times more valuable. Um, if, it, if you can actually, actually handle the products you're talking about, maybe it's just a product that you already have. Maybe, you know, whatever the topic is in your niche, maybe you try and sculpt the, the article around a, a product you already have so that you can actually give a really, really good review of it. Um, you know, this is also great for making like a little video to embed on your website um, in that article to kind of go along with that post. So there's a lot that you can do here. Uh, again, review the lessons. I think I said 55 to 59 in the blogging system. And then also, you know, original research, videos if you can, tables, graphs, charts, you know, downloadables, whatever you can do to make those posts really, really helpful, um, you're going to be right on the right track. Yeah, absolutely. And with most niches, you probably have some sort of product or mm -hmm. products associated yeah. with your niche that you can be an affiliate for. And say your niche is conveniently outdoor winter sports, mm -hmm. this would be a great time to put together, for example, uh, the top 10 best gifts for a skier yeah. or a snowboarder or something like that. That just fits in really well, especially yep. if you have had the blog for a while now and it will have that time to rank Definitely. in time for the holidays. Okay, next question is from Danielle, Daniel Rosa, sorry. And he said, I read more than once that you shouldn't repeat the same link in the same article that in some way Google doesn't like it. Sometimes I find it very useful for the reader to interlink again to the same resource. So uh, we don't have to go back and search for the link when they finish the article. Usually I repeat the same link two times. What's your opinion on this? So I haven't heard anything specifically said about the two link rule. Um, <laughs> I We do know that um, Google it's not that they don't like kind of sponsored or promotional content, but there is so much spammy and it's kind of the yeah. scam spam sort of promotional content that Google does not like. Um, and so definitely anything that's overly promotional, tons of links, that kind of content, um, Google in their, in some of their previous updates has been trying to weed out some of those really scammy sites. Um, I over and over again, go back to the value it has for the user. Mm -hmm. Um, because in the end, that's what Google's trying to do. They're trying to provide the most accurate, most helpful um, piece of content for the searcher. And so in your content, if Google serves your article, it's because when they crawled it, they found that they thought it was the best fit for the search query. 
And so if there's a product involved, you know, whether it could be a product, it could be another resource, um, you know, it could be linked to data or whatever that's really, really helpful or a chart or a table. Um, I totally agree with you. If it's something that you cover kind of in the first paragraph, um, but then, you know, you have a 2000 word article, by the time they get to the bottom, they're going to have to scroll up, look for the link again. So to put it down below as well, I don't see any problem with that because it's, it's clearly and and totally helpful for the user. Um, now, if you're just spamming affiliate links, you know, the same affiliate link 10 times throughout the post, probably not that helpful. Um, but, you know, if I, you know, I'm writing a, a cooking, whatever, cooking blog post, and I talk about a certain blender that I like in the first paragraph or under the first subheading, well, would it be helpful for me to have a little section at the bottom of the post uh, where I could maybe list the two or three links that I had in that pile in that post so that they can see them all in one place. Yeah. I think that little section at the bottom of the post would be super helpful. Um, and so I don't think that there's anything wrong with adding the same link twice in a single article. I would just say, you know, be really conscious of the links that you're adding, especially those that are affiliate links. Um, and don't feel the need to put affiliate links in every single blog post on your website. Mm -hmm. Um, affiliate content should be a percentage of your of the content on your site, and there's nothing wrong with maybe putting one link or whatever in your across your articles. But um, you know, some of the some of the articles on your website should be geared to toward information that really is think of it kind of like the top of the funnel. You know, you're getting tons of visitors, and maybe you interlink to other blog posts that are more promotional rather than linking to a product. So then rather than sending them directly to the product, you send them to another really helpful article that is more product focused where they can then go, you know, potentially buy a product from you or from the place that you're linking to. So just be really conscious of it. As long as you're being really helpful to the user, not going crazy with the affiliate links, I think you're going to be just fine. Yeah, absolutely. If I think about it from the reader's perspective, mm -hmm. I might read an article and they might have a link to some product that I would be interested in, but I want to continue reading the article yeah. to get the information that I came there for, right? Um, it's going to be kind of hard for me to go scroll back and find that link that I, you know, people forget <laughs> really fast. And so it, if it was conveniently later on in the article, if it was super helpful, like you mentioned, Nathan, then mm -hmm. I don't think that's a problem. Yeah, I think so. And what really quick, but I know we're going to mm -hmm. do the interview next. I'm really, really excited about <clears throat> um, this. I've read uh, about this person who you interviewed. I'm very excited. A quick plug. I know we're doing Content Warrior Challenge this month. Mm -hmm. um, if you are a blogger writing articles um, and you're feeling like you just can't keep up, uh, just so you all know, at Content Warrior, uh, the Income School Writing Service, we're running a promotion on our content. Um, and so go over to contentwarrior.com and see um, our reduced prices for this month for the Content Warrior Challenge. We're hoping to get some more people to write content for you. So I just want to put that little plug in there and I guess we can go to the interview then. Perfect. Okay. So yes, uh, just to talk a little bit about it, we do have a po podcast success story from one of our members, James, and his post in the community, if you would like to look it up, is zero to 6,000 per month in 24 months. Thanks, Ricky. And he says, I got a ton out of this community while building, so I thought it'd be fun to share my experience developing a Project 24 style site start to finish. Thanks to the Income School team for building a system that makes it approachable and repeatable to get this done. Uh, yeah, so I would encourage you to go read that post, and we will also put it down below in the show notes. But for now, let's hear how James got to this huge milestone and see what he's up to now. Enjoy. So tell us about, I know we, you posted in the community, which was really cool, but how is your blog doing now? 
it's been pretty stable since where I posted. I mean, you can see in the traffic chart that I posted in the publishing rate that I worked really hard on it in the first year and then got very distracted in the second year. I definitely did not stick to the um, milestones I was supposed to hit. Um, so I'm pleased it did as well as it did considering that. Um, in terms of revenue, it's gone up a little bit from there, but it's been pretty stable between, you know, five and a half and six and a half thousand dollars a month which I've been pretty pleased with. And now I'm just trying to figure out how to bring on some writers and reinvest and, and maybe do something a bit more advanced with it for the coming year now that it's proved its, proved its worth. Awesome. And just out of curiosity, I always like to ask, how did you find Project 24 and what led you to actually join? Oh, probably the exact same rabbit hole that everybody else falls through. Recommended video on YouTube. Um, like I said, I was in the industry, so I, like a lot of people, I found the, the approach very different. Actually, uh, I've definitely know some folks in the industry who have been pretty critical of it, but I found a lot of stuff in it that was really effective and that uh, I thought was particularly effective for new sites. I think a lot of the information that's floating around the industry is really pointed at more developed projects or projects with bigger budgets. And the approach for smaller projects just made so much sense. And I love the approach to the writing format uh, I thought that the way they were tackling writing was really forward thinking and really avoiding some of the uh, crap that we're hopefully seeing filtered out this week with recipes that have a life story at the beginning of them and stuff like that. <laughs> uh, so yeah, and so YouTube is the short answer. Yeah, those are kind of like, it's it's free content, obviously for the uh, reader, but if they have the button, that's like a lifesaver, the one that says like jump to recipe. <laughs> But, yeah, <laughs> yeah I, mean, I get why people do it, especially now that I've been running Mediavine. I've been really pleasantly surprised by working with Mediavine. They've been incredibly pleasant as a team. And then just seeing, like, I was just, I was just talking about how the, the RPMs are so much better than I thought you would see on a site like mine. So I was really, I was really pleased. Awesome. So a lot of people have trouble. Uh, picking a niche and take a lot of time, which kind of wastes time when you could really just be working on your content. So I've never wasted time doing that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, did you ever have any problems thinking of ideas or the direction oh, you yeah. go in? Absolutely. Yeah. And uh, definitely one of the biggest mistakes I made around the time I started the site is that it was around when COVID first hit. I had a little bit too much free time on my hands. And so I started several projects, um, which was obviously a terrible idea. And some of them were more well thought out than others. And uh, I pretty quickly realized this was the one that was legit and just dropped the other ones. But <laughs> yeah, that would be the, the mistake I've made there. And in terms of niche selection, um, a word of advice, just based on what I've seen do well, I mentioned that I worked previously for a company that bought and sold sites. So I had a little bit of unfair insight there into what does and doesn't work. Uh, I think it's really worth looking at the bigger media companies. Like, you know, look at Red Ventures, look at Dot Dash, look at these big giants, and you might think, oh, I can't do anything like that. But then, if you can, if you if they're doing something and investing in it, you know, there's something there. And then you can just find like a demographic or a geography or something within that topic that you can really focus on. So that's that's what worked well for the site that I posted about. I basically found a site that was doing really well. It was run by one of these giant companies. And I thought, what if I just do this site, but only focus on this very particular type of user and all my content just talks to them very specifically. 
And that allowed me to pretty quickly rank well on a fresh domain um, going up against pretty big players. And like when I look at the search results, I, I, I'm pretty sure some, some people that are running the bigger sites are like, oh, who's this schmuck? Like, what's going on here? Like, why is he, like, why is he up here with us? So that, that's an approach that I think is worth, is worth trying because a lot of the hobby topics can be really great if you're really passionate about it. But there's also obviously a ton of uh, editorial competition on those topics. So I think it's, it's, it's good to look at a specific demographic more than the competitiveness of the niche. Um, so maybe what was your biggest struggle to get to where you are now? And, uh, did you ever think about giving up on this project? Oh, I did give up. I did give up. I tried to start my first site in 2013. Um, it was like every other guy. I was like, oh, I'll do a camping gear review website. That's brilliant. No one's thought of that. Um, I'll be the first one (laughs) and you can guess about how well that went because I didn't know what I was doing and I didn't have any experience like building sites and, uh, I liked camping and that was about all I had going for me. And I tried to try, tried at it for a few months and gave up before I really even had a chance to see if it would have worked because I didn't really understand the, you know, the whole time to rank concept. So it was, it was only a few years later that I made my first, first attempts again. And honestly, um, I spent most of my time in the years in between then and 2020 working on other people's sites, working for companies in the SEO space, which was invaluable, of course, because it's, uh, you know, free training, but uh, that's, that's uh, the long answer. The short answer is yes. And along those lines, you kind of already touched on this, but is there anything that you would go back and do differently now? The first thing I would do is just work on one site at a time. I have, you know, three sites going right now that are going at some level of success. And I really like that position, but it only worked because I was doing one serious project at a time. When I tried to do several projects at at once, it went about as well as you can imagine. So I would do at most one big project launch a quarter, and I would only go that fast even if I was focused on it full time. I think that when I was doing it on the side of my day job, the correct rate was like one site per year or something like that. And what do you think you did well? in this experience so far, what did you think your biggest accomplishment is? Well, I I would say that my approach on the keyword research was pretty unique. I tried to not just rinse and repeat what the bigger players were doing, particularly since I knew I had a problem with bigger players in my space spending a lot of money to to be in any spot that I was clinging on to. So I tried to take a really user-centric approach with, with framing the content. So for example, I don't do a ton of review content. I'll look at the product and say, what problem does this product solve? And then I laser focus on the problem and ranking for the problem. And then you're introducing the product as a solution. So that works really well because, you know, one, the the partners love you because you're introducing them to customers who don't know about them or haven't considered them versus just being another person ranking on their, on their brand, which as you know, they love. (laughs) And, uh, to just let it's slightly less competitive because you know all the big players are really focused on those few short terms that are really valuable. So I just don't even look at those too hard and just go for the more long tail stuff. Awesome. So is there anything that you think that um, like Project 24 has helped you with? Is there any experience that you got out of Project 24 that you think maybe you wouldn't have if you hadn't have joined Project 24? 
Yeah, I've met some cool people through the community, which is fun. I've had some really interesting chats and, and, uh, and that aspect has been nice. The encouragement has been the main thing. I just really needed some encouragement and it was very effective at providing that and making me not feel like a dum-dum as I was trying to make it work. And uh, on a tactical level, I think I said this before, but like the snippet training was really on point at a time when that was really effective. And I got some really great early results from just optimizing the hell out of all my content using that format. And it worked beautifully. In fact, I, uh, I made some bullet points from it and uh, shared it with the team at my day job at the time. And we used it on some of the larger sites as well. And it was <laughs> made me look a lot smarter than I was. Yeah. <laughs> hey, that's all. It's helpful. That's awesome. Uh, the lights just went off in here in the office. They automatically go off. <laughs> so oh, it's not going to hurt the audio though. So if uh, there was any piece of advice that you could give to a brand new Project 24 member who was starting a blog today, what advice would you give them? Oh, that's a tough one. Um, I'd say make sure that there's somebody already doing what you're doing well like if you need to see that somebody is having some level of success doing what you're doing because you're unlikely to reinvent the wheel in this industry but i think the best way to know that you're headed in the right direction is to make sure that you are slightly differentiated from but modeled on something that's obviously succeeding because that's really important particularly at the writing level i see a lot of you know i, I stumble across p24 sites that are a little lower quality sometimes when i'm doing research and the biggest mistake I see them making that seems to be holding them back from rank is that the person just doesn't really know how to write or doesn't really know how to pick topics. So I would say, don't be scared to model really heavily on, on your successful competitors there. And if you can't think of a topic, instead of writing about something you just feel like, maybe look at an article that's ranking well for them, pick an H2 out of that article and just write an article about that thing. Like, you know, that they thought it was important enough to include in their, you know, a corporation spending money on it. So that's that's a piece of advice I think could go a long way for, for people that are struggling with ideation. Yeah, absolutely. And sometimes people write about what they want to write about or what they yeah. people should know about. And that doesn't yeah. necessarily great for YouTube from what I hear, but <laughs> right. Yeah. Eventually it works really well on YouTube. Um, all right. So what, what's next for you and what's next for your blog? Uh, what's next is I would really like to at least double it over the next year. I'm going to reinvest into it a bit. The investment level was pretty light on it so far. It was pretty much just me on nights and weekends. I hired out a little bit of content, but I kind of struggled with it. So um, I'll definitely be hiring one or two people to help me on an ongoing basis, build it up more. I'm actually talking to a couple of folks in the community who might jump on. So that's awesome. And from there, yeah, I'd like to get the brand taken a bit more seriously in its industry. Like I've had some really good experiences trying to network within the industry more seriously, like a real, like a real business, you know? Mm -hmm. And, yeah. and that, that it's, it's actually been well received. And uh, I, I'd like to invest more in that kind of stuff. Cause I can see how the partnerships you can make doing that. And the, you know, the links you can build doing that um, are really hard to replicate. So that's an area I'd like to invest in as well. Awesome. Uh, is there anything else that you would like to add? today? Uh, <laughs> yeah, I'd say uh, don't be scared to approach people in the community who are full-time earners or, you know, running the community and have them review your site and don't have a, don't have a thin skin about it because 
you know, the sad truth is that there's definitely some projects out there that you're going to put time into and they're not going to have an ROI because you're focused on the wrong thing. And on that note, I think it, the healthiest thing you can do is just, you know, go through the stages of grief and have some acceptance that your project might not work and that whatever you learn from it is going to be really valuable on your next project. I mean, that's how I consoled myself about my failed camping site. And <laughs> I learned a ton from that failed project and yeah. it set me on a whole different career direction. I didn't even know I was going into it. It's been great. So yeah. that's my advice there. Absolutely. Sometimes we get pushed out of the wrong direction and we don't know why at the time, but then later on, we don't do know why. And it's for a good thing. Yeah. Awesome. Well, for you all listening at home or wherever you are, if you want to check out the original post, it's called zero to $6,000 per month in 24 months. And it also says, thanks, Ricky. Uh, I knew and- you'd like that. <laughs> <laughs> and you can see the original post and um, all the comments. So if you want to chime in there, that would be great as well. Uh, but for now, thank you so much, James. Really appreciate it. This has been great. And I think that it's going to be really motivational to other Project 24 members. So Absolutely. Feel free so to reach much. out to me on there. Oh, yeah. If, if anybody uh, listening. Yeah. If you want to reach out to James, there you have it. You heard it. Uh, you can comment or message him in the community. All right. All right well, sure. thank you so much, everyone, for listening to the Project 24 Blogging Podcast. And have a wonderful rest of your day. Project 24 is a product of Income School LLC. Results mentioned are not typical. The trademark Project 24 refers to the goal of some people to create a successful business in 24 months, but it's not a promise or guarantee of that success. Many online businesses fail because like any business, it requires hard work, skill, and dedication. Before making business decisions, consult financial and legal professionals licensed in your jurisdiction. So in short, the only person who can make your business successful is you. We are simply here to provide information to help you along the way.